0: Thank you, Reverend Dr. Lowe, (coughs) appreciate your help, and again, uh, good morning, it's good to be together, and again, uh, happy Father's Day. Dads, uh, uh, we love you and we appreciate you, and we are aware that the role of being a faithful father is extremely important in today's world, dads are called upon to play more of a Uh, nurturing role in caring for children and family members, especially during these quarantine times, right? Those expectations have been elevated dramatically. Uh, One father noted that children go through four very fascinating phases. Uh, Their first words might even be Dada, and then later they'll they'll call you Daddy, and then as they get older and mature, they might call you Dad, And later on, as they get into their young adulthood, they call you and ask for a Venmo deposit. Another dad came home just to discover his incredibly frazzled spouse. It had been a long day. Their little boy was giving her fits, running in and out of the house, not behaving at all, ignoring her request just to stay outside and get out of the way. And then that boy came flying through the kitchen and knocked over a very important part of what was to be dinner that night. And she started to run after him, but uh, he scrambled outside, quickly disappeared. And then she sternly said to her husband, go discipline your son. He changed clothes and went outside, found him in a space under the porch, and then he heard this very timid voice ask, Dad, is she after you too? You may have been there, done that. I don't know. And things have changed. I think th- changed for the better. There's a greater emphasis on partnership in uh, raising children. Fathers are called to nurture young ones, be supportive partners, and share in offering moral and ethical and spiritual leadership uh, in the home. So on this Father's Day, we give thanks for our earthly fathers. We also give thanks and praise for our uh, Heavenly Father who is mentioned in today's passage. Uh, last Sunday we began what will be an extended exploration of messages from the middle of the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, the focus in Matthew 10, today's chapter, is, uh, is on the demands, the difficult demands of discipleship. And so Jesus gathers his dynamic dozen and gives them power over diseases of the mind and body and spirit. And then he says, go forth. He sends them out to start uh, healing and helping people, as Stephen so well well described in his children's moment today. Uh, Undoubtedly, uh, that uh, assignment must have been a great honor and humbling and exciting for those guys to be ambassadors for Jesus, to do what he'd been doing, to follow in his footsteps. But I, I suspect if we all think about it, those footsteps can be frightening. Jesus also tells them that uh, the honor comes with a cost. He describes the reality of rejection, uh, the reality of refusal, the active persecution that they will face. But, but give, give them credit. They realize what's going to happen, and yet they go anyway. Their mission goes from what could be described as glamorous and and great fun to what might possibly be very dangerous and could be a one-way trip. And yet Jesus encourages and exhorts and and equips them to go forth. In all that they encounter, they will find their strength and their identity in being like Jesus, who has been their teacher. He gives them confidence to proclaim the good news boldly and tells them not to be afraid. The image of Father in this text is a very positive one, and we hear one of the most reassuring images for God in, in the entire Bible, I think. Jesus asks, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And yet none of them fall to the ground without the knowledge of the Father. So, so don't be afraid. Guys, don't, don't be afraid. You're worth more than the birds. <laughs> it's, it's a tremendously comforting description of God's love and care for all of us. And, and the image may even be more reassuring than we realize. We probably hear the phrase falling to the ground is, is dying, right? But the translation of the word fall here is closer to that of of landing or alighting on the ground. In other words, God is not just aware of the sparrows dying. God knows every time it lands, every time it alights, every time it touches the ground, God knows of its living and all that comes with it. And if God does that for the birds, (laughs) how much more? How much more does God care for the rest of the flock, for for you and for me? You know, this is no cheap expression of love, so to speak. You know, God gives us a love that is, is greater than we can ever imagine. And on top of that, God knows us very intimately and personally. God even counts the numbers of hairs on our heads now, now, it doesn't take as long for some of us than others, right? Stephen, you're nodding your head back there. Uh, I'm, I'm coming to be one of those who's described as herring impaired, uh, like some in our church family. Uh, I, I really love Shirley Stanford before service, before COVID started. She came in before worship, sat down and shouted out, Lee, you're going bald. Uh, thank you very much, Shirley, and I love you. Uh, but... This is is really good news. This is great and comforting news for the fearful, faithful. God knows us more intimately than we could ever imagine. This is good stuff. And and yet we're still called to follow in the difficult footsteps of Jesus. Someone said those who aren't following Jesus aren't his followers. It's that simple. Followers follow. Follow. To follow Jesus means to continue to bring about a society where, where justice rules and where love shapes everything. To follow Jesus means to take up his dream and, and work for it. And today's text reminds us that there is life beyond this paralyzing fear of rejection and, and more important things of which to be afraid. Jesus offers us the ultimate perspective of of the grand and great realm of God, and so we need to let go. We need to let go of the fear of rejection and loss. We need to let go of the fear that drives us to cling to what we eventually must lose, the fear that keeps us from saying what needs to be said. The fear that keeps us from going where we need to go. The fear that that keeps us from doing what needs to be done. The fear that keeps us from, from being who we're called to be. Imagine what the world would be like with a fearless church. Capital C. I'm talking about the whole church. Imagine what the world would be like with a fearless church, unafraid of losing worldly praise and esteem, unafraid of losing its possessions and buildings and and stained glass and tax-exempt status and freedom to assemble. What would we have? What would the church look like? You know, it might look like the ones in countries where the churches are not free to gather, but which are experiencing an explosion of growth. What would the church look like? So I I think these footsteps can also be tremendously fulfilling for us. But fulfilling comes from self-denial and for taking up our crosses. Uh, One one pastor said there are at least four types of crosses in this world, but these are worthy of giving our lives to and for. And these crosses include the cross of love and truth and justice and beauty. And we're to take up one of these crosses and follow Jesus. And when we do, we deny ourselves on behalf of love, on behalf of the pursuit of truth, on behalf of, of making justice in this world, on behalf of celebrating the creation of beauty. We deny and devote ourselves, but we also in the process find ourselves Jesus in this passage encourages us to speak truth to power. Dr. Walter Brueggemann has been doing it for decades. Some of you are very much aware of his books and writing, and writings and, uh, and uh, lectures and so forth. He's been a, a prominent figure for me for many years. But he says, faithful gratitude believes that the God who has given us good gifts has more good gifts to share. There's an abundance And while God's good gifts are welcome, they do, in fact, disrupt our lives. He says God's gift of truth disrupts our systemic deceitfulness that denies lethal social practices. God's gift of generosity contradicts our own selfishness. God's gift of mercy interrupts our hard-hearted indifference. God's gift of justice exposes our systemic injustice. God's gifts amount to an inconvenient reality among us. They remind us of what seems normal, continues to be a deep abnormality in which we can have no complacency. Jesus' 2,000-year-old words remain amazingly relevant today, don't they? Ponder the parallels. Ponder the parallels between this week's passage and what is happening in the streets and cities here and around the world. What is motivating more people to speak truth to power? Jesus tells us that if we do this, we'll likely suffer significant losses Read on in chapter 10, if you don't believe me, it, it gets pretty tough. I didn't even have to read that part. I wanted folks to not go away this morning. But I wonder, as you read on through chapter 10, have, have you parted with any family members or friends because of your passionate differences of opinion? You know, Jesus talks later in the chapter about a possible redefinition of family and the importance of of finding ourselves in some kind of community. And so I, I wonder as I think about that difficult passage, would we, would I, would you give up your friends, your family, your life because of your faith? Would you lose your life because of your vocation, your calling? You know, we're we're seeing people right now. We're seeing people right now on the front lines, whether they're protesters or law enforcers or peacekeepers or caregivers who are taking real risks right now because of what they believe, because of who they think they've been called. To be in this world. Heard an interesting conversation recently, some folks were talking about about crimes that have changed the course of history, and there was some discussion, and one person proposed, oh, well, it had to be Gavrilo Princip uh, assassinating Ferdinand many years ago. The crime triggered World War I, led to the revolution, the end of the Habsburg and Ottoman empires. It rewrote the world map, set the stage for World War II, and affects just about every person alive today, whether they know it or not. Boy, That's impressive. <laughs> And other people shared some different opinions and options. And finally, one woman asked this question, what about the execution of Jesus? What about the execution of Jesus? It was an extreme travesty of justice, but his followers' belief that he rose from the dead kept that movement going. And eventually that led to the end of the Roman Empire and the world changed forever and the world is still changing today because of that. We're seeing those kinds of changes in many places today. Painful crimes from the past and present are galvanizing people. And a global movement is saying enough. Enough to what has been. Enough to what has been. And and so significant policies and procedures and rules and regulations and executive orders and directives are being made that are bringing about justice and sweeping reforms. Designating Juneteenth as a holiday, long overdue. The Sp- Supreme Court delivered two compassionate decisions this past week. And these are anxious times, I know, but they're also amazing and hopeful times. Because God's in it. God's in the midst of all of this. Some of you are familiar with Brian McLaren and his books in uh, teachings, he he says that the surprise is not that Christians would care about justice. What is truly shocking is that, that we would succeed in missing this very obvious message in the Bible. He says, it's my hope that if enough of us raise our voices right now, That our children and our grandchildren, when they hear the word Christian, will think about something far more oriented toward justice and compassion than most people think of today. And as we follow in his footsteps, we get to be a part of that. We get to be a part of a world changing, life transforming journey. And and it doesn't have to be all that complicated, folks. (laughs) If we're feeling anxious and stressed or fearful about what to do next, let's, let's refocus a little bit. You know, Jesus took 600 commandments and trimmed them down to what? Two. He gives us a great commission, not a great to do list. Love God, love your neighbor, follow me. That's pretty simple micah boiled it down to three what do justice love kindness walk humbly with our god jesus calls us to transform the world even during a pandemic in a vision of hope for our time desmond tutu proclaims all over this magnificent world god calls us to extend his kingdom of shalom peace and wholeness this is a realm of justice of goodness of compassion of caring of sharing of laughter of, of joy of reconciliation he says God is transfiguring the world right this very moment through us because because God believes in us and because God loves us what can separate us from God's love absolutely nothing and so we are to share God's love with our brothers and sisters. He says, there is no tyrant who can resist us. There is no opposition that cannot be ended. There is no hunger that cannot be fed. There is no wound that cannot be healed. There is no hatred that cannot be transformed into love. And there is no dream that cannot Be fulfilled. Let it be so.